to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. That's from the classic poetry of the historical church. Let me do it one more time. To dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, now that's a different story. Paul is dealing with the reality of the church. Uh, He's been leading us down this path to find all things through Christ. And the subtext is joy. And today he gives us the second piece of understanding joy of how we can orient our lives so that joy becomes our response in all difficult situations and before difficult people. Something was brewing in the church in Philippi. It's his favorite church. He has affection for this church, but he warns this church that maybe they're going to miss joy by missing the second element in the formula. Now, to understand this, I just want to take you back a couple weeks when Pastor Nathan did the children's sermon and that word joy was up here. You remember that? It's the acronym we learned when we were young. Joy comes when Jesus is first, others are second, and yourself is third. Uh, We try to have yaj, and it doesn't work that way. But joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself third, will be a source to joy. Now, the first chapter, Paul has been getting us into this mindset to make Jesus everything. If He will become all in all in our life, that is going to be the first component to having joy. Uh, To be honest, we've been talking about this as pastors. This has been a harder message to communicate than we really expected. We look forward to this series, but we're realizing that Paul's experiences led him to a place to embrace Jesus only. See, you can have Jesus only if Jesus is all that you have. You can have Jesus only if Jesus is all you have. He's the best of everything. He's the best of everything in our lives as well, but there's a tendency for us to attach our joy to all of the privileges and the things that we have in life. And I've been realizing in preaching this, this is a hard message for us. It's hard for me to get there sometimes because I attach it to the circumstances in my life. Um, There has to be a kind of dislodging in my life to the other things that I've put my confidence and joy in. Uh, That's hard to do. Jesus kind of warned us of that. He says, it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He wasn't rebuking us in our plenty. In that moment, he was warning us that it's so easy when you have other things to become distracted by those things, and you will lose joy at some point because those things always disappoint. They always disappoint. And so Paul begins and says, work on pressing yourself into Jesus. That's the first part. Once you get that, now you're ready for the second part. Start thinking of others more than yourself. Look at how he begins in verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, he's attaching back to what they've already stated, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Jesus first. Others second, 
yourself third. Count others more significant. Now, there's an order here that's really important. Paul is setting up that this is already in you. Uh, the first verse says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, it's not really the best translation. It should be, since there is an encouragement in Christ. And he begins unfolding to remind them to all the blessings. This is already in you. And he's going to walk them through all of these different aspects of thinking more highly of other people. In this aspect, he's not saying you need to push yourself down, but simply out of the fullness of who you are in Christ and what you've experienced, begin looking at other people through those eyes because you've experienced so much. Um, we sang it this morning. Was that song, Great Reckless Love of God? When you sense that God loves you to that degree, it changes everything and how you look out on the world, your circumstances, both good and bad. Uh, the second song we sang, Good, Good Father, as a result of that, I am loved. Um, the third song that they sang, Faithfulness, righteousness is what God wants for me. Now, the way it was written by the original artist was, it, that's what God wants from me. I didn't like it because that puts all the onus on me. This is what God wants for me. He wants righteousness. So I had Anna uh, change the words that it's, this is God's desires for us. These are his things that are already in us. And that's why by verse 5, he can say then, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is deep stuff now. Come with me on this. As the body of Christ, he has put his mind in us. These are the resources that he's already putting in us. We don't need to necessarily grapple to get them. He's simply saying, just live out of the identity that you have in Christ Jesus. And then he gives this example this great Philippian hymn. This may have been the first confession or hymn of the early church. As we did the Apostles' Creed today, that didn't come around for over 300 years. But this would have been one of the first ones that the believers, right after Christ, would have declared together. And this was their declaration. Jesus, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he emptied himself. He takes all of his divine prerogative in the incarnation and he puts it aside, becoming in likeness like a human being, becoming a servant, even becoming obedient to death, death on a cross. He takes on all of the limitations of what it means to be human. Think about it. That's a mobility that's going from the highest place. As Paul says in another place, he was rich, but he came poor for our sake so that we might become rich. In my quiet time, I'm in Luke right now, and I'm just starting in the beginning. There's all these passages about Jesus growing in favor and growing up. I was thinking about it this week. It's amazing to think about all of the things that God gave up so that we could experience his love in Christ Jesus. He's the one who was at creation. Colossians tells us Jesus was there. Dabar, when God speaks, it's into reality. And now he submits himself to the process of having to learn at his mother and father's knee how to speak Hebrew language. Isn't that amazing? In all the ways that he submitted to the human cause, he took on everything for us. That's why Paul can say, you should have the mind of Christ. He was completely thinking about us in this whole design. And then in his ministry, it's all about service. Think about it for a moment. 
The night before he's going to the cross, he washes all of his disciples' feet, but while he's washing them, he knows that one of them is going to deny him severely and one's going to betray him. And then when he hands out the food, he puts the food before the one who's going to betray him and say, have this bread. I mean, it's one thing to love and to serve the people that I like. It's another thing to serve the people who are quite annoying. Paul says, you can have the mind of Christ. And then the transition happens in the hymn. He empties himself. He becomes obedient even to death on a cross in that process. And so God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow and every tongue declare glory to his name because he is Lord. That was the opening church's declaration. That's where they found it. This is the God's way. God humbles the proud, but he lifts up the humble. God's mobility is to go downward so that we can serve, and then he's in the process of lifting up his glory. It's not even us about us getting lifted up. In the process, Jesus gets lifted up, and it changes everything in our circumstances. And this is what Paul wants for the church in Philippi, and this is what Paul wants for the church in Stanwich. Jesus said this, I tell you these things so that you might have joy and that you might have it to the full. Great testimony this morning. God's law is not there to inflict us, but to direct us into a better way. God wants us to have joy, and he's saying, align your life to this principle. Jesus first, get consumed with Jesus Then get consumed with others and it will trickle down and things will change in your own life. But it's a process that you have to fight into. It's both gift, but it's also process. See, Paul goes on and says this, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always bathed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." See, this is the divine partnership that we have with God. This is not a let go and let God. This is take hold of God and watch him work his stuff through you. Now, you have to see what he's not saying. He doesn't say work for your own salvation. He says work out your salvation. Remember I've been telling you earlier? He's been telling us all along this stuff is in us. Christ follower, Christ one, Christian, this stuff is all in you. He put a deposit of himself in your life. That's what it means to live the Christ life. It's to allow him to come flowing out. This is is the second layer of good news. The first layer is you are accepted just the way you are. The second layer is this, he doesn't leave you there. He walks you through the process as you partner with him into a transformation so that you will experience the fullness of Christ and a service of others that will release a joy in your life that you never expected. He goes on and gives illustrations of Timothy and Epaphroditus, others who experienced it. So what's my, so what this morning? It's right in the text. Listen to what Paul says next. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Wow. I can see some of you going back trying to think about the emails that you sent me this week, but... (laughs) 
laughter is guilt. I know that aspect. <laughs> but you should be thinking about it. I'm not pointing out. The Holy Spirit's pointing out. The Holy Spirit put it in the text. We've been so conditioned to get our way as Americans. So conditioned. This individualism project had a good start, but it's really come apart at the seams. We've replaced all authorities with our own authority, and we're all many popes to ourselves now, declaring what is right. And it's left a grumbling and miserable spirit in the church. There's no wonder that people are walking away from the church. And it should stop. Since you are in Christ, quit grumbling, quit complaining, quit looking out for your own interests, but think more highly of others than yourself. Or you're saying, well, Pastor Chuck, something go wrong this week? Are you upset? No, this was a really a good week. But here is the block to joy in the community because this is a community project. The mind of Christ, the life of Christ, isn't just for individuals. It's meant to be in community because Paul goes on and says this, that you may be blameless and innocent, which is already ours in Christ, but then you're going to act out your blamelessness and innocence, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Are we in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation? Yeah. It's a mess. I hear you talking about it all week. We're embarrassed when our president talks. We find it another level of embarrassment when another leader is brought out of his infidelities in places that have come. It's just really a nasty time. My grandparents would have never believed that this was what could happen to our country. And believe me, I don't believe in the good old days. There's always been a twisted element of every generation. But the world is crying out for a group of people that have an ex such an expression of light in them that they're saying, I'm jealous and I want to be a part of them. What's going to change our world it's not finding a different political leader. It's not going to be finding another social program. It's not going to be finding... It's by the church rising up and being the people of God and loving one another in such a significant way that people go, there's something different about them. They're consumed by a higher reality. His name is Jesus. And their commitment to one another goes beyond all of their preferences and desires in life. Their pastor never gets an email that complains about anything. That was pretty funny. You can laugh at that one. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to share when something is broken to help us grow as a community so we can become better, but it's another thing to have an underlying judgmental spirit and a critical spirit under it. The Christian journey, experience in the body, is 
dozens and hundreds of us putting our own preference down for the sake of a better preference that Jesus would come shining. Funny thing is, is that when you do that, it does trickle down. It never trickles up yourself, others, and Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You start with Jesus and others, you will have a benefit of a happiness and a joy that you never experienced. Paul gets to the end. He says, hey, in the end of it all, I may be sacrificed. I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So stand which rejoice. Be people of joy. Be different in this twisted and dark generation. The great thing about this is this has a way of redeeming, especially the broken places and the difficult people in our lives. You see, it's one thing to have joy when everything's going well. You know, you say, well, pastor, what's, what's wrong? So I'm going, I'm in the prime of my life. I'm in the most satisfied time in my life. I've never had a time where ministry, family, and everything was going so well. I had my first physical in eight years. I don't get sick, so I don't go to doctors. But I thought, yeah, I should do one. I'm becoming an old man now and go get one. I am a perfect specimen of health. <laughs> okay? great. We should all be joyful in that. But when God sends a difficult person my way, this is the time where he gets to finish the work of killing the self in me that's with me all the time. As one of our friends used to say, and I loved it, he would preach on the crucified life, what it means to be so taken over by Jesus. He says, you can work really hard and get the first nails in your feet, and you can get them in your hands, but you're still going to be flopping around on the cross. God's going to send people to you to help crucify you. Those are the miserable people that come in your life. Wow. Do you see how a life consumed by Jesus in his way and a life given to others can change everything about the circumstances that come your way? Bless the Lord.